Next week, we are concluding our theme, which is the gift of opportunity. Uh, And so today, I want to do part two on seizing the moment. We are using Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, as our main text, which reads as follows. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Say, time and chance happen to them all. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, time and chance happens to us all. We did explain this scripture that uh, what Solomon is talking about, how it looks like there's this contradiction in life where what is supposed to come to you, what is rightfully supposed to come your way, doesn't come. And sometimes life gives us a feedback that is contradictory to all our effort, and it can be very confusing. However, that being said, there's this thing called time and chance. And this thing called time and chance happens to everybody. There's this thing that is an equalizer. And if we learn to work with this time and chance, then our life will move on. We found out that that word time means opportunity. So opportunity comes to all of us, regardless of who we are. You will have opportunities. We said that uh, there are four levels of opportunity. There's just the low-level opportunity where you have an opportunity to comb your hair, to brush your teeth. I mean, that doesn't really change your life, but it is an opportunity. I mean, you have a choice. You can walk the whole day without washing, um, with, with all the odors, or you can wash. It's an opportunity. But, you know, washing, as good as it is, yeah, just makes you healthy, but it has really not much bearing on the destiny of your life, except that you'll go to life on a but you'll go into life. <laughs> but then there's a, there's a mid-level opportunity. This is where you get an opportunity that can have an effect on your life, but it's really not long-term. Could be short-term. You've, you get a part-time job. It's an opportunity they give you. You take the job. So for that six months or one year, your life is better. You can pay your debts. You can do something. It's a mid-level opportunity. But then we have a high-level opportunity, which this opportunity comes very rarely, once in a lifetime or a few times in a lifetime. And these opportunities, on a natural standpoint, they have a chance to change your life forever. These are the type of opportunities that when you look back many years later, you will realize how much that particular incident changed the rest of your life. But then we have the highest level opportunities, and these we call the God opportunities. Different to the natural, normal opportunities, in the natural, normal sense, when opportunity has gone, it doesn't come back. However, when you talk about the God opportunities, I'm going to show you at the end of the sermon, How God is gracious enough that when you have missed a God opportunity, he will make the opportunity come around again. And I pray that will be true in your life in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And so these God opportunities, as we said, 
This scripture tells us that opportunity comes, but it's not just opportunity, it's time and chance. And that word time, chance means incident or occurrence. What it means is that tied to every opportunity is this thing called incident, something that you may fall in. Or this thing called occurrence, something that may, you may meet to try and frustrate you. So it means every opportunity, there will always be hindrances that try to stop you from seizing the opportunity. But opportunities do come our way. Can I hear an amen? amen. Opportunity speaks of a favorable moment. This is a time where your life can change. And we found out as we were studying that opportunity doesn't come to pause, but it comes to pass. And so we need to seize that. When we encounter a God moment, a God opportunity, we need to grab it. Why? Because the occasion that comes my way positions me for a breakthrough for something great. If I know how to seize a God moment, it can change my life forever. If I don't seize it, it will go. And seizing a moment sometimes means that when you see that moment, or as we call it, an open door, you need to adjust things in your life. Because opportunity must instruct how you do life. It must instruct your priority. It must instruct your focus. It must instruct your vision. Even the pace at which you do life. And so it's important. So we noted that God opportunities are as follows. Number one, the God opportunity, one we said, it's a defining moment. A defining moment is a moment that can totally transform your life. When you look back at that moment, you see how much your life has changed. It's a defining moment. And sometimes when a defining moment happens, it might not be very obvious that it's a defining moment. Sometimes you only realize when the moment has passed that it was a defining moment. And, you know, we're talking about it in the back. You know that uh, the, the interesting thing about these opportunities is that opportunity doesn't scream and shout. It comes in the midst of everyday life. When you just do the mundane things that change your life. I mean, I was reflecting on it. You know, when I was working at Rayma. 1980, 1980, you know, 1981, 1982. And I, I was doing my job like everybody does their job. Because they wanted to give the guest speakers this beautiful carpet, but these carpets didn't have a container. So I created a box. You know, I made a box out of other boxes. I made it beautiful. I knew how to make a bigger box. I took time, made a handle, everything, put it in there, and they gave the box to the guest speaker with a carpet inside. And I only heard afterwards when people were telling me, because people started asking, who's making these boxes? You know, where do these boxes come from? These boxes are so beautiful. And, and then they were told, no, it's that guy who's working in the mailing room, Musa. So one day I'm busy working in my office, and I see the first lady, Lindy McCauley, standing, you know, 
next to my door and my office. My office was very small. So I'm shocked. I mean, if the most senior person comes to your office. I mean, my, my job was the lowest job in the whole company, in, in the whole church there. And so, and she goes, hello, and I say, hello, but my heart is skipping a bit because I'm asking myself, what have I done now for the first lady to come all the way and come talk to me? And she said, what's your name? I said, Musa. So, oh, Musa, I heard that you are the one who's making those boxes. I said, yeah. I still wanted to know. Then she says, oh, I love your boxes. They're so beautiful. Even when we were cutting them open to take the carpet out, the congregation was complaining. Because the box is so beautiful, we mustn't cut it. That's how Pastor Lindy McCauley got to know me, and then she introduced me to Pastor Ray McCauley. That door. That door. That door is responsible for me standing here today. That door. One door. But that door was not wrapped up in miracles. There was no angel. It was a box. I tell other people, Luna le ke numa ministering ba le profitile na nele box. And that's the thing with opportunity. These God moments, they don't come in a spectacular way. It's a decision you make, a place you go to, a connection you have, a book you read, a sermon you hear. It's about saying no to something evil. It's about walking in there. It's about exposing yourself to a church. It's about receiving teaching. It's about repenting. There's nothing big about it. But when you look back, I look at it today and I'm standing here, Vazalan. Box. 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 I wonder how many boxes God gave to you. And the box you were handling contained your future. I didn't see it as a defining moment. The second God opportunities is the God opportunity is when God opens new doors. And here's what I like about it, Bazan. The new door, the one door, becomes the many doors. One decision leads to so many other things. And you don't see it when you're on the other side of the door. It's not obvious. It doesn't scream to you. But on the other side of that door, there's so much. In Acts chapter, excuse me, in Revelation chapter 3 verse 8, listen what God says. He says, I know your works. I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. When God opens a door, nobody is going to be able to close it. They may not like you, They may not favor you. They may think you are the worst thing. But when God opens a door, nobody is going to shut it. Even the devil himself, he cannot shut a door that God's going to open. He can challenge you. He can press you. He can... He can beat you up. He can make you sick. He can take away your resources. He can hurt you. He can beat you up. He can do whatever, but he cannot close the door. I prophesy they will never be able to close the door. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, no one will be able to shut. The message Bible says, I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. God opens new doors. 
Doors of opportunity. When people try to hem you in and block you and stop you and frustrate your future. When people think that they are the God of your life. When people think that your life can be determined by them. Oh, God knows how to open a door. And the interesting thing is that this door of opportunity not only changes your life, but it changes other people's lives. Let me read you Acts chapter 14, verse 26, 28 quickly. Paul recalls something. This is what was written by Luke, recording the missionary journeys of Paul. It says, from Atalia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, that's Paul and Silas, they gathered the church together, reported all that God had done through them, and watched this statement, and how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Let me give you the story. In the first service, I went too long on this story. I want to summarize this story quickly. Paul, we read about his conversion in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 9. He was a persecutor of the church, passionately persecuting those who were proclaiming the way in his words. And in his words, he says later, he even thought he is doing God a favor. Ignorantly persecuting Christians, killing them. The church at the time was locked up in Jerusalem. They were having excellent fruit of the ministry, but they had not fulfilled everything that Jesus had told them. Jesus had told them, don't only preach in Jerusalem, go to Judea, go to Samaria, but they were in Jerusalem. So when Paul came, the disciples were scattered everywhere. It's evident when you read in Acts chapter 8 that when Stephen was stoned, the Bible tells us that Paul was there overseeing the stoning of Stephen. That after they killed Stephen, they came and brought certain things and put it at his feet. But you know, it's amazing, but I wonder how God works, that this murderer, inside this murderer, was an incredible apostle anointed by the power of God. And this is why, I'm telling you, we must understand, God's ways are higher than our ways. We must always be humble enough to accept our humanity that there are things that we will not understand at a certain time in history. Sometimes we speak too quickly. We judge too soon. We ostracize too quickly. We don't see when God is at work. And so God visits Paul, who was called Saul at the time, in response to the prayers of the Christians. So powerful was the power of God that it knocked him off his horse. And when he got up, he was totally blind. And then he, he goes to this particular city and he's blind and God sends a disciple by the name of Ananias who comes and when he prays for Paul, Saul, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, who appeared to me, has sent me to you. That your eyes should be open. It's quite interesting. When his physical eyes were shut, he was able to see with his spiritual eyes the vision that God had for him. He says that I may pray for you to open your eyes and also you're going to be sent to the Gentiles. 
And then we read in Bible history from that time, for 13 years, Paul sat under the, 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 the tutelage of a man by the name of Gamaliel, being taught the law, learning the things of God, going to church, fellowshipping to the church in Jerusalem. He was being trained because God never sends anybody out prematurely. God will put you in a training school and if you jump that training school, you will never be able to do everything that God has called you to do. And so here we read in Acts chapter 13, he is in the church that was at Antioch and, and he is in the church, rather he is in the church there and as the church is praying there, it says, the Bible says, in this church as Antioch, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, God speaks to them. It's a simple prophecy. It's a simple leading. Separate ye me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. Just that simple prophecy. You wouldn't tell at that time the miracle that was locked up in this Smolanyana prophecy. You wouldn't tell that the destiny that was locked up in these words. And so what does the church do? Just like when God speaks, we've got to obey. So they lay hands on Paul and Barnabas and they send them away. And Paul and Barnabas, they go away on a trip. After this, they, they then go, after fasting, they, uh, they go out and they take a man by the name of John who becomes their helper. So then they set sail and their first place is they go to Salamis in Cyprus. They proclaim the word of God there in the Jewish synagogue. As they traveled through the whole island, they came to a place called Paphos where they ran into a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bajesus. This false prophet was an attendant of a proconsul there. And this proconsul who was there, uh, he was there to advance the interests of Rome. He was there as an official who was appointed to make sure that he protects the citizens of Rome and he advances the interests of Rome. So Paul, when he was there, he is summoned by this pro-council and he wants to hear about Jesus, you know. He says to Paul, come and talk to me. When they arrive, this false prophet comes and he tries to turn this pro-council away from the truth. But the Holy Spirit came so powerfully upon Paul that he rebuked this man and caused this sorcerer to become blind. And it was because of this pro-council, this one man, that the power of God flowed in the whole area. All kinds of people came. Even people of high status came. And the power of God moved mightily in the place. After this, Paul and Barnabas, they left to go to Cyprus. They, they, they left Cyprus. They made their way to Pega in Pamphylia. We are told that John who was their helper, left to go back to Jerusalem. But then Paul and Barnabas, they went to Pisidian Antioch. In Pisidian Antioch, they began preaching there. Many people received them. They taught people, continued teaching, continued preaching the word. The Bible tells us that even on the Sabbath day, they came over in Acts 13 from verse 32. And they were invited there into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And they came there and they, and, they, and they preached there. And the grace of God was upon them. And there were many converts from Judaism and the Jews who came and followed them. The Bible says the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came 
to hear the word of God. Think about this, Pastor. This started with a prophecy in the church. All these things that are happening, nobody had a clue that they were going to happen. Now, the whole city has come to listen to the word of God. But the Bible says when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. And they start talking abusively against Paul, saying, when Paul and Barnabas, when they are here, these people are confusing people. But Paul and Barnabas answered, they said, no, we spoke the word of God first to you. But you rejected the word of God. And as a result, now God has sent us to the Gentiles. The Bible says, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord and all who appointed them for eternal life. Then verse 49 says, And the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But, note verse 50, The Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city, who stand up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they, 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 they incited people, they expelled them out of the region. Why? Because you must understand this. With every door that God opens, there will always be adversaries. So don't allow the adversary and the opposition to stop you from what God has told you to do. You know, I have learned this past two years that part and parcel of doing God's work is that God's work goes side by side with opposition and problems and adversaries. And if you allow the adversaries to stop you, you will not go through the open door. And so Paul and Barnabas were removed from the city after the jealousy of the Jews rose up and they had stirred up these people and persecution had rose up against them and they traveled to Iconium. They taught there in the Jewish synagogue and a great number of Jews and Gentiles there were converted. Again, other Jews stirred up trouble for these two missionaries. So they left and after arriving, because there was a plot that arose against them, next place they went to Lystra, they went to Derbe, and in Derbe, that's where they planted the church in Galatia. Once they were there in Galatia, God used them so mightily because there was a man with a disability who was healed, who couldn't walk. And when he got healed and, and the power of God moved, the people there, they started mistaking Paul and Silas for gods. The city erupted, claiming that they were gods. They called Barnabas Zeus. They called Paul Hermes. And this greatly distressed them. So they went out to the masses to put the record straight and tell them, no, we're not gods. It's the message of the gospel. But as they were doing this, the crowds were won over by the jealous Jews who were trying to trouble Paul and Barnabas. As a result, Paul and Barnabas were stoned almost to death. Don't be surprised when you get stoned, when you get persecuted, and things get difficult after you have made a decision to go through the door that God has opened. It's part and parcel of it. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. But you learn right there in that persecution that God has opened a door and no persecution is going to close that door. Can I hear a good amen in that? And so during this missionary journey, we are told that Paul wrote multiple letters which were known as epistles through this journey, encouraging the Christians. And in spite of all of that, he still went on. Now this is, brings us back to Acts 14, 27, where when he came back, 
He calls it a door of opportunity. Watch this. God sent two people. But through these two people, so many other lives were touched. I wonder how many other people are waiting on the other side of you going through the door of opportunity. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. When Paul recounts this, he realizes it was a pivotal time. It was a pivotal time in the history of the gospel. Because before this time, the gospel had never gone into Gentile territory. So this one decision to lay hands on them, send them out of the church, this one step of obedience to go through the one door of preaching led to ten other doors. And history was being made. And this is the thing, Basarana. Most of the people, when history is being made in their lives, they're not aware. And this is why oftentimes we celebrate people and erect monuments to them after they're dead. Because when they were alive, when they were doing what they're doing, there was nothing, there was no sign that what they're doing is a writing of history. I wonder how much history are you writing with your life? How many other doors that you need to go through that on the other side, other people's lives will be changed? With Paul and Silas, it was a pivotal time in history. It was a pivotal point for the church of Jesus Christ. A pivotal point, a pivotal time for the spreading of the gospel. It was a pivotal time for the apostles. A pivotal time for the gentle world to en encounter the power of God. Why? Because God had opened a door in history. Had they not gone through this door, I don't think the, the gospel could have reached the gentle world. I don't think you and I would be having the gospel today. But it was that one door that was made many years ago. Here we are, centuries later, through the obedience of somebody way back there. I wonder centuries to come how many other people are going to be affected by your decision to go through the right door. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this one door became many doors. This one correct door led to many doors. This door became a door where people who were lost and were far from God were reached. Because of this door, the prodigals were restored. The sick were healed. The bound were delivered. All because Paul and Barnabas went through this one door other people benefited. I beg you, I ask you, do not pass from the door that God has opened. Do not ignore the God opportunity that God gives you. Number three, the new door of opportunity will have adversaries. I'm going to talk more about this next week, but I want to cover it a bit. Whenever you go through new doors, you will have new opposition, new adversaries. I made peace with it, Bazalana, during lockdown to say, you know, this life goes hand in hand with difficult things. Yeah. And I'm not going to allow difficult seasons to stop me from fulfilling my mission. Because if you allow difficult season to stop your mission, you'll be allowing 
occurrence to intercept what God is doing. Every vision will have interruptions. Every vision will have devils that are trying to stop it. Every open door will have adversaries. Note what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. He says, because a great door, somebody say a great door. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. Look at your neighbor who's sleeping and say, great door, neighbor. So, hadu. Tell them again, great door. Note what it says. It says, and a great door, not a small one, a great door for effective work. It's not just a, a door. It's a door for effective work. Has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. Yeah. You don't like that last part, do you? It's a great door. It's an effective door. Mara, it's a opposition. This is why as you grow in your life, you, 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 you get to a point where you make peace with opposition. What I mean is you make peace with the fact that you will be opposed and not liked. You, you, you no longer respond to every critic. You don't have to answer every SMS and every text message. Oh, come on now. You don't, have to, you, you, don't, you don't even have to defend yourself. As you grow in the things of God, you realize the bigger the door, the bigger the opposition. Yeah. See, when you're still young, you are sensitive. You know, you wear your feelings on your sleeves. You are oversensitive. Any small thing you jump, you want to explain. You want to defend yourself. You want to be understood. You want to be accepted. But as you grow, you realize there are times when you are not going to be accepted. It doesn't matter what you do. There are certain circles that are not going to accept you. In the Amplified Bible, it says, for a wide door of opportunity for effectual service has opened to be. There, a great promising one, and there are many adversaries. Somebody say many. many. Say it again. Many. Say adversaries. Adversary. Say it again. You know, it was one thing if Paul was to say there are adversaries, or there is an adversary. I don't know. There are many. And not just adversary, but adversaries. Have you ever been there? It's almost like you are moving from one crisis to the other. But the miracle of it all is that the, your life is still unfolding and God is still guiding you. But Sanana, you get to a point where you understand the difference between joy and happiness. You may not be happy on the outside, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, when Dr. Cho passed on uh, last year, I cried the whole day. You know, I, I cried the whole day during his funeral. I cried because Dr. Cho, many of you may not know, his life was, was littered with opposition. People who opposed him. Huh? Here's a man that God used in Korea to change the whole nation. Change the face of the church when it comes to prayer, church growth, evangelism, doing uh, work to reach out to under-resourced communities. Incredible. Many of these uh, people you hear about who are CEOs, Babo, Hyundai, and uh, uh, Samsung, or, or, or Sony, or any of these leading brands, they, they are from his church. 
These are people he raised in his church. He taught people how to be millionaires. He taught people, took a country that was so poor. But through the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel and all the other innovations, lifted the place to being a first world country. God used this man, used the church to truly shine a light on the whole nation. The church can be a light to the whole nation. But what you, many of you don't know is that he has lived through so much criticism. Disliked by religious people, disliked by people in the corporate sector, not liked by politicians. Receiving letters, people preaching about him. Oh, in the prime of his life. The most painful thing for me is when he was in the 75, almost going to us 80, he was taken to court by his own elders. In his church. Because of what his son had done. And they took him. And at that time, you may not remember, I won't say too graphically, right there in the east, the governments in the east were trying to muzzle the church. Very hard against the church. In the east, there are some of the leaders who were thrown in jail at the time. And the only sentence was for him to be sent to jail. Old man, 75, almost 80 years old, being sent to jail. For something he hadn't done. Because of the dislike and the opposition. And the only reason they didn't send him to jail is because somebody said, but this man, all these years, he has done so much good works in our country and other parts of the world. Did you know something? Dr. Cho, he is in uh, North Korea. You know in North Korea? They have a huge hospital there where they are treating the North Korean people. You won't hear about it on the news. Millions and millions of dollars. He's got staff who are there who are giving first world medical treatment. You would think a man like that would be loved. But I want you to know this world is a funny world. It's a rotten, evil world. Where it will try to squash and crush anybody who is doing what is good. Funny enough, it was only in his latter days, Dr. Cho, where the people started writing back to say, we are sorry, we are sorry, giving him awards. But he lived through a time of opposition, many adversaries. But when you were with him, you would never tell. <laughs> you would never tell. You would never see him. You wouldn't even talk about it. He's there serving God, praising Jesus, preaching the gospel, having that. Why? Because if it's a big door, it's going to have adversaries. Am, am I talking to people in the house? Am I talking to people in the house? Some of you, you are too weak. You are allowing the devil to control you. You jump around at any small disturbance. You've got to take the disturbance and take the adversaries and say, if you think you're going to stop me, you are not going to stop me. I'm going to go through this door in the name of Jesus because God has opened the door and you will not be able to stop it or close it. There are many adversaries. If you read the life of Paul, you talk about being an apostle. You talk about being an apostle. Over CV high. CV high. Fasted often, prayed all night. I was stoned, beaten by a snake, left for dead, shipwrecked three times. That's the sign of an apostle. 
They never go through any difficulty. They never weather any storm. Let me tell you, it's in the storm where God is able to raise you up. Many adversaries. And because God is going to open many doors for you this year, be ready for the adversaries. But just know, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Somebody shout hallelujah. No tongue will be raised against you. If you look at the ministry of Jesus. You know I read it. God opened my eyes to this. And I read it. You know sometimes when you have the Bible. We read it with religious glasses on. Even when we read something it doesn't register. When I was reading I realized. Ha. Every time the Pharisees are there. Disputing the sermon. Or somebody's asking a question, or, or they're going to chase him out. Every time. Imagine. Imagine. Bamu. And what's worse, he knew what they were going to say even before Babu. Mara, he still preached and could operate in the anointing. Anything in the service. Oh, come on, somebody. Am I talking to people in the house? How Jesus did it. To have a team of disciples knowing very well there's a Judas among them. How do you do it, Jesus? Knowing fully well that Peter is going to deny you at a time when you need him the most. How do you do it, Jesus, when you know that the whole team that you have trained for three and a half years, on the night of your crucifixion, they are all going to run away and leave you and desert you. How do you do it, Jesus, when the very people you were praying for, the very people you were healing, the very people you were giving food to, they are the ones who are going to shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. How do you do it, Jesus? The book of Hebrews says, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. When you know the open door, you will endure the cross. You will endure pain. You will endure criticism. Can I hear an amen in that? Some of you, you are allowing small things to take you away from a big door that God has opened. Yeah. 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 That's why I get surprised when, when, when Christians don't go to church because small things. How were they change by? And then they want to do a big thing for God. Walala. If you want to do a big thing for God, you must just know you're going to have many adversaries. Just know. Dr. Cho, most of his life, he was going from one crisis to the other, to the other, to the other. Through no, through no doing of his own. He hadn't done anything wrong. They just decided to pick on you. There are people that the devil uses to come after you. So, so, so as you grow in the Lord, you realize you don't have to answer every critic. And, and you, know, you don't have to go to every interview. You, there's no need. Let them say whatever. But there's a door that has opened and no one is going to shut that door. And with every door, there are many adversaries. Utran, 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 the message Bible. <laughs> I love this one. The message Bible, it says, a huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up here. 
but there's also mushrooming opposition. Paul Ubita, this adversary is the mushroom. The mushroom. Let's have a mushroom. Do you know a mushroom? Mushroom doesn't have roots. Mushroom is a plant that has no roots. It's, it's the easiest thing to kill. How will You don't need to dig. No, mushroom will refer. Paul Aro with all the adversaries, refer. As difficult as the season was, as challenging as the season was, as painful as the season was, in God's eyes, oh, refella. Because when you look at the opposition and look at what God has done through you, there is no comparison that in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, God did the greatest things through your life. In the midst of all the mushrooms around you. I see God doing amazing things in the midst of all the mushrooms around you. Come on, if you believe it, shout hallelujah in the house. I believe God's going to do something great through your life. That is mushroom all around you. Let me close, Basalana. Oh. My God. In conclusion, and I'm going to take a few more minutes if you don't mind. The God opportunity can be missed. Can be missed. A missed opportunity is very expensive. <laughs> it's very expensive. In Luke 19, verse 41. Talking about Jesus, it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. We must see moments of opportunity when they come because they don't make noise they don't shout they don't have the glitz and the glamour there's no tunda these very people who had gone to the synagogue every Sabbath day and prayed for the Messiah and waited for the Messiah waiting for the one that God had sent when the Messiah came he didn't realize and recognize this is what they were waiting for. This is the opportunity. You know, John chapter 1 is a painful chapter for me. When it says he came to his own and his own received him not. John 1 11. But as many as received him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Jesus says, if you had known, but it's hidden from you. You know, when I read this, I prayed every day. I said, God, help me. May I see. Because sometimes opportunity doesn't come in a glamorous way. Like a box. 
box eu. Que opportunity. Box eu. Que ministry. Box eu que buruti. Box eu que anointing. Mara que box. You could cheat. How about how yet I'm You can rob uka because there's nothing supernatural about what I'm doing. But I'm going to begin. I'm going chance to share my vava. Give me a chance. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 43. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build up embankments against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground. You and your children whilst within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Why? Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. History tells us that post- the death of Jesus Christ, resurrection, the time of the apostles, thereafter the Jews went through the biggest persecution. And that persecution, Jesus talked about it, said, you, you, you missed an opportunity. When God visited, when opportunity came, you missed it. And it became costly. In the Living Bible, it says, in the Message Bible, it says, all this because you didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit. Some of you, God is visiting you now as I speak. In this message, God is showing you opportunities. God is pointing out to you your decisions, your life, as you sit under the sound of my voice. And God's trying to caution you and talk to you. You know, I learned something. I was, I was thinking about this and I thought, why is God, you know, when Jesus said, if your eye troubles you and your ear troubles you, pluck your eye out, cut your ear out, cut your... And I said, Murana Jesu, ha! So violent. So brutal. Why? I realized something. What Jesus is saying is this. When you find out that something's trying to take you away from God, be brutal in cutting it out of your life. Timelessly. Why? Because if you let it stay, it will entrench itself in your life. And it will move your life away. That's why you must celebrate, Barcelona, when you hear a difficult sermon. And when you are sitting there, rejoice. Because God is coming with his heavenly hammer, his heavenly axe. He wants to cut that thing in your life because if he doesn't cut it now, you will look back and say, I had opportunity. I didn't go through the door. Look what has happened to my life. In the early days of my life, things didn't get back to you. In the early days, 
when I used to be angry or mad, why do other people get away with it? Why not always keep at you? Why? But as I grew older, I thank God. My mother will have Pakazolo. Moburumba. I was 15 years old, or 14 years old, I think. Kazolo. And she told my dad, hey, yeah, I tell you. Be happy that you are discovered doing something wrong. Or when you're sitting in church, there's a prophetic word. Or there's somebody who is a friend who comes and talks to you. You thought nobody knew. Sometimes when they were saying it, they didn't know they are talking to you. Be thankful. He's trying to prevent you from what these people went through. He says, you didn't realize the hour of your visitation. You didn't realize it. In the Living Bible, it says, because you have rejected the opportunity God offered you. Nothing is more expensive as a missed opportunity. In May of 1996, two South Africans set out to Mount Everest to go and summit that mountain. Ian Woodall and Kathy O'Dowd. For those of you who've ever been on these expeditions, you know that the weather on Mount Everest, which is the highest mountain in the world, is very bad. There's blizzards and storms. So as you go up the mountain, there are these things called base camps where you go and spend the night there or whatever time to acclimatize to the thinning oxygen as you go up into higher altitudes. And you are also escorted by people they call shepherds. They're just there to assist, but you have to do the work of climbing. And they came to the last base camp, which is the one just before going on to the next lap where you go up to go summit the mountain. In their language, they say if we're going to summit the mountain, you have to make sure the weather is good. And if the weather is good, they say there's a window. And because the weather changes so quickly, when the window opens, you better summit and come back whilst the window is open. So both Ian Woodall and Kathy O'Dowd summited the mountain. But they, were, they had a friend of theirs, a member of their team, a British photographer by the name of Bruce Harrod, who did not summit with them, but decided as an afterthought later to summit. Delayed taking action when opportunity is there. He did summit. And there's a recording where he talked to them whilst he was on the summit, but the weather was quickly changing. And there's a conversation between him and Ian Woodall where Ian says to him, as you come down the mountain, be careful. And he said, yes, I'll be careful. And that's the last they heard from him. He lost his life on Mount Everest because he waited too long 
to take advantage of the open window. Lost opportunity, missed opportunities as time can cause great damage and great pain. But here's what I want to say as I close. Somehow, God in his grace finds a way to bring another opportunity. Somehow, somehow, see, and natural, natural opportunities never come back. God opportunities, God finds a way to bring it back. Hopefully, you have become wiser now. That when it comes, you don't waste your time. When it comes, you don't think too long. When it comes, you don't postpone. When it comes, you don't ask the person next to you. When it comes, your pace, your focus is determined by opportune. If you don't believe me, ask Peter. He had an opportunity to stand in solidarity with Jesus when Jesus was about to be crucified on that night. And when the young woman asked Peter, are you one of him? Are you part of his team? Are you one of them? He said, I'm in Angmas. Lost an opportunity. It broke his heart. So much that he went outside of the city and he wept bitterly and he stopped walking with the other apostles. He stopped relating with other Christians because sometimes we think when we make a mistake, God is through with us. I'm here to tell you, God is not through with you yet. As a matter of fact, God doesn't give up on us. It is you who gives up on you. And so the first priority after Jesus rose from the dead is to make sure he restores Peter. Because God sees the potential in you. God sees what you are going to become. And he is not phased by your mistakes on the path. He knows what you're going to be. That's why when Jesus looked at Peter, he says, I'm changing your name. I'm giving you another name. And this other name means rock. You'll be a rock. You'll be strong. Jesus is not faced by Peter denying him. Because God knows he's making you. He's shaping you. He is molding you through all these things. He is shaping you. And God is hoping you learn from your mistakes. So after Jesus rose from the dead, he goes out looking for Peter. And when the women, women come, and when he meets the woman, he makes sure that's top of his priority. He says, go and tell the other apostles and Peter. He singles Peter out. Go and tell the apostles and Peter that I have been raised from the dead. Why? God is reaching out to you even if you have disappointed yourself. Oh, God is reaching out to people right now as I speak under the sound of my voice. God is reaching out to you. Don't let your disappointment be your grave. Don't let your mistake be the end of you. There's an open door in front of you. You may have burned all the opportunities last year, but 2022 is a new year. Take advantage. And finally, when Jesus got to meet the disciples, as he met them, when they gathered there, he just arrived. And he leaves all others and goes straight to Peter. Because that's how much God cares for you. He will focus on you during that time of weakness. 
to try and bring you back to life. Oh, am I talking to people? God is bringing you back to life today. And Jesus goes to Peter. And he says, Peter, this is the first time they meet since that incident on the night of crucifixion. Peter knows how they parted because the Bible says after Peter denied Jesus, when the cock crowed, Jesus looked at him. That's how they parted. And after that, Jesus was killed. That's how they parted. You can imagine the tension in the air. You can imagine the thoughts in Peter's mind. He thinks that's the end of him. He thinks everything God said about him will never happen. But God is not like that. God brings back opportunity another time. Peter, do you love me? He hasn't learned. He's still quick here. He still talks without thinking. Just blurts out, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, eh. Tries him again, says, Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus says, okay, I'm going to try it again because after he denied me three times, the cock crowed. So let me try him the third time. Maybe he will remember what happened. Third time says, Peter, do you love me? And all of a sudden, his mind opens. Revelation comes. And he says, you know what, Lord? You're the only one who knows. And Jesus says, because you are getting it, when you have been restored, I want you to go and strengthen my brethren. Let me decode it for you. Jesus is saying, because you've realized how I have dealt with your mistake, you will have the capacity to help those who are coming up. You will not destroy them with their mistakes. Because I have given you a second opportunity, Peter. You are not going to cut out people who are in their leadership. You will give them a second opportunity. This is how I shape prophets. This is how I shape pastors. I shape them in the valley of defeat and give them a compassionate heart for the sheep because when they look at themselves, they realize if God can use me, I don't see why God cannot use that one because I've been there. And here's my question to you. Will you today take advantage of the second chance. Maybe last year you lived in a way that was a disgrace. You did things you shouldn't have done. You went to places you shouldn't have gone to. You took things into your body you shouldn't have. You bowed your knee to God you shouldn't have. And now, today, on this day, God says, Opportune. Will you allow God to press the reset button? Will you let him in your life and say, you know what, God? I missed it. Watch it. This same Peter, 
after that experience he was no longer the same guy <laughs> and we see him on the day of pentecost when the spirit came on them he's preaching and instead of locking himself and being afraid of the jews he opens the doors he opens the he unlocks the doors he goes outside to go and face the very people he was afraid of we see peter after he prayed for the man at the gate of beautiful when they were telling them you shouldn't preach this gospel he stands up he says whether it's good whether it's wrong you choose we will obey god rather than men why because there's something about your failure there's something about rising from failure you will never be the same person there's something about going through the open door the second time you're a different person this time and that's my question to you will you go through the door today that very thing you don't want to make a decision on that God is talking to you about it is just a box will you make a decision today and say God I don't want to miss my day of visitation I realize you are talking to me about my life I will listen to you. I'll listen to you. Bow your heads, please. Raise your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost right where you are. Shaparabaro keriado sehraba. Panenini mahayel kotoria namorude. Ese kabresa kurude. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. This is what I want to ask. Some of you, you've been invited. It might be your first time here. But you know that you haven't received Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. Everybody, you can put your hands down for now. You know that Jesus is not the savior of your life you're not born again you're not changed but this morning you want to say jesus would you come into my heart i don't want to miss this opportunity i don't want to come here and go back home having hardened my heart god will you work in my life and you want me to pray for you right where you are if you are the one and you need prayer would you raise your hand, please, right where you are? Just raise it high so that I may see it. Raise it high. Let me pray for you. Just raise it right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. I see a hand right at the back there. God bless you. Just raise it high. Let me see it. Let me see it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray. Father, thank you for these precious people who are coming to you today for a life, their lives to be changed and transformed by your power. I pray for them now. Thank you that they didn't let this opportunity pass them by. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.